Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden, and also featuring Rachel Young, a true crime goddess. These people are passionate about books, maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time, they are three book girls! I love his voice. And he, the yeah. same narrator, does all of Ken Follett's books. Like okay. all of them. Even, You're as bad as freaking Megan. the Fall of Giants, the same narrator does them. Isn't so, she? Yeah, she's as bad as Megan. Megan goes on about Hanson, you go on about Follett. At least it's book related. Becky, wow, how do you say good. your last name? Klugowitz. Klugowitz. I didn't even want to attempt that. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me think of Kugel. Now I want Kugel. We just played a trivia game <laughs> where um, it was asked what dish is made with sweet noodles. And of course, Vonnie got it's it. Kugel. <laughs> I know what Kugen is. That's also German. So, Becky, you live in Illinois, right? Yeah. Have you ever had Kringla? I'm not sure what that is. No. No one knows what it is. What so is I it? Mean, Tell us. So it's like this sweet dough, and it's kind of made into almost an, like an infinity symbol or a pretzel shape. But it's it's the most unique, delicious thing. So people make it like you can't buy it store bought necessarily. The only way you get it in the store is if somebody local makes it, and like they'll sell it at the gas station and stuff like that, or at fairs. What's but it called it, again? Kringla. It's so freaking good. I bet we could find a recipe on the internet, on the interwebs. Or we can just wait until her relatives from (laughs) Illinois come down and have her get us some. Hmm. Here we are talking about food when you're supposed to be being healthy. I know. Who's supposed to be being healthy? We are. We're being healthy because it's good for us. That's why. Oh, well, that's not what my grocery shopping just looks like. You need to be healthier, Rachel. This is what happens, though, when I'm trying to be healthy. I'm like, I'm going to be healthy. I make my list, my Walmart list. I had a salad. And put all this healthy shit on my Walmart list. And then I go grocery shopping. And then at night I go in and start looking in the cupboards. I'm like, fuck. Why didn't I buy chips? See? Like <laughs> ice cream or what did I do? So when I just went to Walmart, I bought like three different kinds of already made popcorn. I bought some new kind of um cheese it. The new cheese it? Let's talk about this cheese it for a minute. Oh god, you guys. Stop hey, killing me over here. Food is macaroni and cheese. Actual macaroni and cheese. Craft. The blue Crap. in the, the real macaroni and cheese. I don't like that baked shit. That's gross. I like it's soupy, like extra milk. Ooh, girl, you're grossing me out. That's what everyone. Says. If if macaroni the figurative macaroni and cheese was our favorite thing, then we wouldn't have to worry about losing weight so much. That's true. <laughs> or being Cause, healthy because you because you know the weight. code is when you say I'm making macaroni and cheese. That means you're having sex. Doing some naked aerobics. Yeah, because of the noise. Because it makes yeah, that noise. So, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that in my life. We talk about it all the time. Speaking Maybe of nasty, dirty things, I wonder how Justin's doing. <laughs> oh, God. We miss Justin so much. He's the one that, he's the one that started that. Rachel's books kind of scare me sometimes. Like, I want to read the ones that she sent me, but I'm like, ooh. 
I don't I want to read it but I'm a little frightened I have to make sure that there's room in the freezer when I read that one because it's an actual book <laughs> the only one I think that I sent you that I didn't review on the podcast was in a dark dark wood yeah and that's that wasn't that was that one was okay don't, I loved that one but I can tell you this don't have your windows open or your blinds open while you read it because it will freak you the fuck out. Like, well, when I was reading that book, it freaked me out enough because our back porch wasn't closed in yet. So our back door that's all glass um, was just open to the outside. I put curtains up. <laughs> Are we ready to get into the creepy crawlies yet, Rachel? Yeah. Today's but, my day. Yes. I forgot I'm not going first. I was like all hurrying. We have to go. We have to deep dive into Rachel's psyche. Infestation of the insect variety. Bugs, though, spiders in particular, or bed bugs or things like that, just any type of infestation. Ugh, I can't. I've got literal We're all gonna goose be, flesh on my arms right now. We're all going to be itching by the I, end of this review. I do not... <laughs> I, I used to have such severe arachnophobia that it was just ridiculous. I couldn't watch that movie when it came out. Really? I swear, this year, it's some sort of cycle year for tarantulas. So, <laughs> Amarillo. Yeah, it is. We were driving the other day, and Tom says, oh, look at that. And I said, what? And it was a tarantula just walking across the road big enough to see from the car yeah. do you guys have earwigs where you are um not a really? lot here we had them up north we, i don't they're... know what they are right yeah. they're disgusting we used to pull their pinchers off oh yeah i have earwigs no. in my house i get them all the time here mm-hmm. go my dad's here. cousin is an entomologist and so i know a lot of like random facts and shit. earwigs have two penises <gasps> what yeah, and they have like a preferred one. Like you know how we're like right-handed or left-handed, they're like right penis or left penis. Oh my god! But like if something happens, if it gets injured or something, then they'll use the other one. Dang! Oh, I'm such a small. So totally psyched to use that someday, Becky. That's hilarious. You gave me the, the best gift ever. That is the most random piece of trivia I have heard all year. And it's terrifying. It's horrible. It is terrifying. Becky is the perfect guest to have on for my fear. I know. How fortuitous is that? It's amazing. Last night on the call, I was like, okay, who's got a horror book? We need need somebody. We were on the call till almost 10 o'clock. Oh, my God. It was me and Shona and Lacey was on pretty late and Carolina. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I would have thought Lacey wouldn't want to hang around. She's got the COVID on her. What? Tell me, Rachel, I'm interested to know when you were a child, what has caused this particular phobia in you? You know, I tried to think back about that. I don't know if there was anything specific. I do remember. So a lot of my first memories are in a farmhouse that we used to live in and one thing I absolutely hated was there was always wasps around. So we'd have to like run into the front porch area, things like that, you know, but I don't think I ever had any unusual experiences with, with insects. I got stung by a bee a few times or other things, but I don't remember anything particularly traumatic, but I've always hated them always. And spiders in particular, 
I'm also an indoor kid. I don't like to be too hot. I don't like, and growing up in Illinois, mosquitoes, holy shit. Yeah, because it's so wet. Yep, they will eat you alive. And like Becky was talking about earwigs and things like that. And in Illinois, they have something called wolf spiders. Oh, we have those too. But they have the babies on their back. Yeah, they're assholes. Yeah, yeah. uh, If you step on one that like looks like it's too big, it shouldn't be all that big. And if you step on it, like 10,000 babies go running all over. And then I think it was back in the early 2000s when at least another round, I'm sure this was not the first bed bug epidemic to go around, but it was during that time that that started. And when things really started to pick up, I was a case manager and I had people in my car and other things. So there was always that lingering fear of having bed bugs brought in. And a couple of years ago, one, um, a coworker of mine, he got bed bugs and from a client and took them home and his whole house got infested. Oh, great. And they are a bitch to get rid of. So just the whole idea. And then several years ago, there was a show that came on and it was called Infested. And they talked about not only insects, but animals and snakes and whole. It was horrifying, but I watched it religiously (laughs) because I I don't know, know your enemy. I don't know. Oh my god. So, anytime we spray several times a year, we use Raid because once it, we use the Raid um, bug barrier Mm -hmm. because once it dries, it's safe for animals and that shit works. As long as you spray enough, sometimes you have to spray a little bit more. The only bugs we tend to see in the house are already dead, which is great. Dead bugs are okay. They're good. (laughs) Before anybody hates on me about killing bugs and spiders are good, yeah, they are, but they can stay out in the grass where they friggin' belong. Mm -hmm. A month or so ago, I had the dog outside. It was dark, though, but something was moving in the grass, like, enough that I couldn't see what it was, but it was crawling towards me, was out there with me and I said I'm fucking out like I'm going back in hopefully she pees bring her in (laughs) butterflies don't even get me started on those assholes no what (laughs) not even butterflies seriously they just get all up in your business when Tom and I were still dating uh we went to the St. Louis Zoo because we still lived in Illinois at the time and uh his friend's wife was a really big fan of butterflies. Like she had butterfly tattoo. And so everybody was like, Hey, let's go into the butterfly exhibit, which (laughs) who's ever been in one. It is an enclosed exhibit filled with butterflies and their staff all around to make sure that you don't harm the butterflies. Like I said, Tom and I were still dating and I was getting to know his friends and I didn't want to be that person that was like, Oh, I don't want to go. So I just said to myself, you can do this you're an adult. I was in my mid to late twenties. It's like, you can do this. They're just butterflies. They're not going to hurt you. Yeah. Well, I got a little ways in and it was packed. It's the St. Louis zoo, right? So there's people in front of us and behind us and you have to follow a path in there and they're landing on me. And the staff member is just like staring at me. I think he could tell that I wanted to just, so I just lost all composure. And I said to Tom, I said, get me out now. And 
I moved so quickly. I was like shoving children out of the way. And we got out and I was just like, and he just said, what happened? And I had to admit. Don't even get that me you're started afraid on of those butterflies. assholes. <laughs> I have a traumatic bug story from when I was a kid. All right. So I was at my best friend's house and her mom was my babysitter starting when I was like really young. We've been best friends for 36 years. Her mom was getting us dressed to go to the beach one summer. I was maybe like six or seven. And I had like a little bikini thing and I was all ready to go. And my best friend was still getting changed and her mom was helping her. So her mom was trying to give me something to do. So she told me, she gave me like a little paper towel or something. She's like, why don't you take this out to the garbage outside? And obviously I could have just thrown it in the garbage inside, but she was just like, I think I was like, let's go, let's go. And she just wanted to keep me occupied and busy. And so I went outside and they had like a bunch of trash cans right outside their back door. And like they, I guess they only really used like one can for garbage and one for recycling. But of course I picked the can that is like never used and I'm trying to open the lid and it won't come off. And so I'm shouting like, Kelly, I can't open it. And she just kept saying like, pull harder. So I'm like struggling. And finally the lid comes off and maggots <gasps> down on me. Oh. And I am wearing the key. And I start screaming bloody murder. <gasps> she comes out to see what's happening, flips out. She carries me inside like, <gasps> like an, an awkward dude carrying a baby, like, like a football. Like <laughs> she carries me into her bathtub and just turns the shower on. I'm screaming and sobbing and crying. Maggots are just running <gasps> off of me. She calls my mother and she says, I think I broke your daughter. <laughs> Why were there maggots in there? I think that was just a can that like they never used. And, and there so, was like, a dead body in there and the maggots got no. out of control. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, like it there was like garbage can. Probably and just oh, I I'm totally grossed out now. There had to have been something in there that they wanted to eat. <laughs> or else know, they would have been dead and just... maybe it was even just other dead bugs i don't know oh no, no i think i think your maggots. neighbor was a murderer yeah I... and you found the murder can and where was this again we should look up there's to see if there are any people. unsolved mysteries in that area <laughs> ladies and gentlemen is my story of being best friends with john wayne gacy's daughter <laughs> It's just an ongoing thing. My parents, my poor parents have struggled with this too because there have been times when, you know, spiders have trapped me and, you know, I've woken my mother up from a dead sleep by calling the house phone when my dad, a police officer who works 12 hour shifts was sleeping, but I couldn't get through my door because there was a spider on it. I had to get her up. She had to come home. Or... <laughs> I was, I was in college and I came home on a, a, a break and my sisters were in school and both my parents were at work. It was a work day. So I was getting ready and I was going to go out and meet some friends. Well, my parents live outside of city limits. So, you know, they get bugs and things, but there was a gigantic fucking spider in the corner of their bathroom by the vanity. Well, I needed to get ready and there was kleenex and other shit in the way stacks back there so i couldn't get to it to step on it so i called my mom and said 
hey, where's the bug spray? Well, it's underneath the sink. And she literally said to me, Rachel Lee, that is a bottle. If I come home from work and that bottle is empty, you are in big trouble. And I tried to handle it before having to use the bug spray. I called my dad because he was out on patrol in the same area. Well, he didn't answer. So I took matters into my own hand. The spider died. A few boxes of Kleenex and things got ruined. There may have been a river situation. But <laughs> all in all, it was fine. So after my dad saw that I had called, he was due for a break. So he, he came by the house. And the way my parents' house is set up is the bathroom is in the very back of the house. Well, I hear the front door open and I hear, why does it smell like bug spray? And I was like, mom. And he comes back. I said, hey, can you, um, can you take care of that spider situation? Can you pick that up? He goes, Jesus Christ, did you drown it? <laughs> so he, it was all fun and games until he realized that I had ruined a few boxes of Kleenex. And then he was pissed. He's like, Rachel, what the hell? I'm like, oh, sorry. So I don't think my parents want me alone in their house anymore. Gee, I wonder why, Rachel. By the way, I never did get in trouble for using a good amount of that bug spray. So <laughs> I guess I'm still waiting on a punishment. But you know what works really well and is very effective to um, push them away from you at the same time? Wasp and hornet spray. Because if you've ever sprayed wasp yep. and hornet spray, it's designed to be able to shoot really far. Mm -hmm. I was in the garage the other day and there was a big fucking spider right along <laughs> where I got out of the car. Well, and the, the raid bottle was empty. So I was like, all right, screw it. The wasp and hornet spray was there. Man, that worked like a charm. <laughs> spider away from me it just it coated it and i could see it dying and i had to go somewhere so i was like check you later hope you're dead when i get back and it was <laughs> <laughs> gotta go check you later hope you're dead when i come back well i think it's time to uh segue into your book now rachel since my phobia doesn't do enough on its own or my fear i guess i should say i can still function so technically it's not a phobia but the book i chose to read is Bed Bugs by Ben H. Winters. I've never read anything by him before. So I really like the way that this description is. It just says, for rent, top two floors of beautifully renovated brownstone, 1,300 square feet, two bed, two bath, eat-in kitchen, two blocks from the park and playgrounds. Sounds great. So this story centers around a small family in, I think, Brooklyn? So New York State essentially where rent obviously is very high so you have it's they're a young husband and wife and they have a young daughter susan and alex you know they they find this place that it's it's not for rent by a broker or anything it's reasonably priced it checks all the boxes it even has a room for her to paint and their daughter can now have her own room and all these good things so things are looking good. Of course, there's a little bit of discord between husband and wife because husband is, says, why do we have to move, right? And wife is like, well, you're making more money now and you know our kid needs her own room. So we have the money, let's do this. So husband agrees and they move into this place and everything's fine for a little while, except you know, there's a little bit of a smell that comes up in her painting room so the maintenance man he comes in and he cleans not a big deal um and the landlady just says oh yeah that's from the cat that the previous tenants have 
and mind you, once they move in, um, or when they're looking at this place and they have decided, decided to rent, the landlady tells them that they're going to have to pay a little bit more because the previous tenants just up and left and left her a little high and dry. So not only are they having to pay, you know, normal first and last month, but they're having to pay a little bit extra. So it's drained their savings pretty much. So leaving is not an option. Just know that right off. So you start to sort of think, and, and this, a lot of this is from Susan's perspective, right? She has a friend kind of tell her about bed bug infestations and different stuff like that. And she slowly kind of starts to think that she sees them or different stuff like that. But I'll tell you, this story kind of kept me guessing at each turn because I was so sure at one part of the book that I knew what was going on, that I was almost bored. And then it took in another direction. And I thought, well, what the fuck? Okay. (laughs) So then I, then I was sure that I was right on the right track and I was a lot more interested. And then it just, it slapped me in the face and was like, Hey, we're going back this way. I'm like, Oh my God. So I really liked it. It definitely, it sort of, I don't know if you'd call that an Easter egg or something, but it, it just kind of, it tried to take you one way. And when you really solidly thought you knew what was going on, something else would happen. And you'd realize that you don't know anything. He does a great job when Susan starts to think that she's seeing bed bugs or feeling them or different things. And when things start to really escalate, there were a couple points in the book where I was just itching. I wish you could see the looks on Becky's face and Bonnie's face. The the looks of disgust are cracking me up. So icky. He does a great job of the way that he was describing how she felt with things. And like I said, there were a few points where I was uncomfortable, uh, even in my office. And I was like, oh, what was that? Oh, there's something on me. And I literally was itching at certain times. So if nothing else, that was great. Uh, The cast of characters is really, really good. The ending didn't, it totally didn't end like I thought it would, which I like. I wouldn't say any of the characters are necessarily unlikable, which I think is good. They're just a nice little family and you have the landlady and the um, some friends and, you know, the handyman and all that stuff. But man, does it get dark, especially the ending. And wow, <laughs> it was really fitting for October. I would highly recommend it. It wasn't that long of a read, but it was really good. So and like I said, if, if you don't like creepy crawlies, maybe avoid it. But if you want to freak yourself out. So that again, that was Bed Bugs by Ben H. Winters. <laughs> That's not the kind of scared I like to be, so I probably won't ruin it. But it sounds really good. I wanted to call an exterminator. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those books where you have to get up and like just just walk away. I just because you just you're crawling. Your skin mm-hmm. is crawling. Okay, well, I did not read about bugs, but this did take place in the wilderness, so I'm sure there were bugs around, but Gross. nobody acknowledged them. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a fiction book written 
to mimic a nonfiction report of Sasquatch. The book is called Devolution by Max Brooks. When I first read this description, I really wasn't sure how I would like this because they're making Sasquatch out to be an enemy. And I watched Harry and the Hendersons. So I loved Harry and the Hendersons. And that's the Sasquatch that I want to believe exists <laughs> in my mind. The nice Harry Sasquatch and not the ones that are in this book. So this takes place in an eco town. And it's a small town of people that there's only one road like in and out to get supplies. They grow most of their own food. They do the compost thing. They have like the solar lights. The whole point is to be as eco-friendly as possible in this town. And I say town loosely because it's really just... A commune? Maybe, yeah. It's more like a commune because there's only like maybe five, seven like families. Like all the women don't shave their legs and you got a lot of Birkenstocks going on. Well, I don't know if they shave not or not. Not that I'm stereotyping they, or anything. They but. didn't go into that. <laughs> From the characters, I'm thinking some of these ladies probably did still shave their legs and wear real deodorant. So, And so what happens in this book, and this takes place in Washington State, Mount Rainier erupts. And from the mud flows from the volcano eruption, it blocks off their only route in and out of the town. And also because of the eruption, they can tell the flux in wildlife. Like, you know, they're, they're getting a lot more like deers and everything else in their little commune than what they used to. And the deers are all like super skinny. Like you can tell that a lot of their food has been destroyed because of the eruption and everything else well another thing starts happening kind of slowly and that is that they start noticing these very large gorilla-like creatures that are moving in that are basically like sasquatch like bigfoot a whole tribe of bigfoot are come into the village and they're not friendly bigfoot they, Instead of a book tribe, it's a Bigfoot tribe. It's a Bigfoot tribe, yes. It's not a book, it's not a three book girl tribe. It's a Bigfoot <laughs> tribe. And they're not reading the books so much as throwing the books at the humans, along with rocks and boulders and anything else. And they are actually treating the humans like a food source. <gasps> so people oh. also start disappearing. And the Sasquatch are smarter than your, you know, the deer and everything else that are in the forest. So they start fucking with the humans too, like playing these games to try to lure them to come out of their houses and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty. That sounds pretty creepy. It's pretty creepy. It is. It was a, a very good October read, I would say, because the Bigfoot would be like the monsters. It would make a very good scary movie, I think. But that sounds really good. Um, it was really good. The format is a little bit different how they wrote it because they wrote it in the sense that they discovered the eco town after all of this happened and they found one of the girl's journals Mm, don't give it away well i mean you kind of find out at the beginning because nobody survives they they tell you that at the beginning but the journal they find is one of the people that survived like one the longest so what did you mean when you said it's a fiction story about a true report no it's it's fiction written to mimic a true report 
like a, okay. a nonfiction because it's written in like, like a mockumentary. Yeah. Except for. Yeah. Right. Because it, you have the journal entries from one of the people who lived in the commune. And it's also sprinkled with news reports and interviews and like some fun facts about the legend of Sasquatch and um, legends of Sasquatch in other countries and how um, some of the stuff that they're saying is happening with the Sasquatch is related to things that happen like with the bigger gorillas, like the silverback gorillas and stuff. So there's a lot of like little tidbits of information and some of it is true and some of it isn't because, you know, obviously there's not a tribe of Bigfoot that wiped out a village. That in, we know of. In Washington State. Right. <laughs> right. And there's also some talk oh. about how the government hid the fact that Mount Rainier was going to erupt, that they knew about it beforehand. And so there's a little bit of like chaos and rioting and stuff because they say that the government didn't do enough for it and yada yada, kind of to mimic what's, you know, happening in real life mm -hmm. with some things. The formatting was very different. It's the only thing I think I've read. It kind of reminded me a little of the power, how the power reads. Oh, okay. Because, you know, yeah. they go back and forth to the museum mm -hmm. with yeah. that one. But with this one, they go back and forth from the journal to like news reports and interviews of people who know, like, you know, Mm. knowledgeable people mm -hmm. smart people <laughs> smart but yeah it was it was pretty scary it was a little gruesome it was pretty good there was there really wasn't very much romance because people were they were already married couples so there was no like sasquatch lady love going on <laughs> no there was no there's no sasquatch lady love that's what i was gonna ask next there was no sasquatch with two penises that had a preference to left or right now that's an evolutionary experience that maybe we need to work on i know right yeah i think that would be a that an... sounds really interesting i've been to mount rainier and it just mm -hmm. that's a really cool idea Right, because if you've ever been just, up to like Mount Rainier and everything, they have Bigfoot is big in like the. You brought Dylan a hat back yeah. that has like the, Bigfoot the on it. Tourist shops, what do you call those? Gift shops, like yeah, and yeah. it's just kind of cool. It's, it's kind of fun to think that there's really like Sasquatch the out there. Exactly. Yes, yes. Exactly. But it was good. I. The writing was better than what I expected. When I very first started it, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. This chick that was was writing this journal is way too freaking bubbly and a little bit valley. And I'm like, mm, but it, it was really good. I liked it. And that was called Devolution by Max Brooks. Let's see what Becky's got in. What do you got in there? Anything good? Anything scary? Yeah, so this book is called 40 Acres, and it's spelled out the word 40, and it is by Dwayne Alexander Smith, and it was first released in 2014, and I just read this in February of this year, so I had never read anything by him before. I think this is actually his first novel. He's written a few things since, and I was reading about him today, and I want to put him on my reading list. So he's an African-American writer. And this is the story of a young black lawyer who 
has like a storefront law firm. Like it's not a big fancy place. He's not making a bunch of money. He's doing small like civil rights type cases. And he wins a lawsuit in court against a big corporation. It's a civil rights suit. And the lawyer he wins against is this guy named Damon Darrell. And he is like one of those celebrity type lawyers almost. He's known for having real flashy suits. He lives in a mansion. He drives like a super expensive car. He like always wins his trials. He's He kind of reminded me a little bit of Johnny Cochran, kind oh, of. Oh, okay, yeah. Like that kind of real cocky attitude. Like, you know, he, he walks into court knowing like, oh, I'm about to win this thing. It's so easy, I always win, whatever. And so when Martin wins this trial against him, it's a big deal because he basically becomes a millionaire overnight because his client is going to be getting millions of dollars. And as the lawyer, you get a pretty hefty percentage. So um, they have this big celebration party and Damon, the opposing counsel, actually shows up and people are kind of like, why is he here? Right. And but he comes and he's very, you know, congratulatory and says, good for you. And, you know, the right person won because I think he kind of knew that he was on the wrong side of the case. But um, so he's like, why don't you come to a dinner with me and some of my friends and we'll hang out? And Martin's like, okay, like I have this new kind of mentor guy who's like the top of the game. And so he goes to this dinner and he meets all these people who are like, CEOs, I think there's a judge there, um, just really well-known, well-respected, very successful business people. All of them are African-American, which he wasn't really expecting, but he's like, hey, cool, you know, like I'm one of them now. And so the dinner kind of feels like an audition to him. Like he's, he's waiting to see if they approve of him in a way by the end of the night he feels like you know he made an impression on them they like him they actually invite him to go white white water rafting and it's like a guy's weekend so none of the wives are going to come and it's like in the middle of the wilderness no cell phones no communicating with work or anything like that it's just a guy's weekend so he's like okay i mean he's not an outdoorsy kind of guy but he's like whatever you know i want to hang out with them i want to be part of this exclusive group of successful people so I'm going to go and it turns out they're not going white water rafting um they end up going to a house in the middle of nowhere on 40 acres of land and the house is actually like the estate kind of it's called 40 acres and the guy who owns this place is this guy called Dr. Kasem and everyone all these guys talk about him like he's this guru like some kind of like enlightenment almost like a self-help guru and they're like spouting off like oh dr Kasem believes this and dr Kasem believes that and this guy's like like it's a little brainwashy and he's like i don't know what's going on with this he hasn't met dr Kasem yet so eventually he meets dr Kasem. he finds out what the deal is with this house in the middle of nowhere and they have no way to communicate with the outside world. And he realizes that all of the employees at this house are white people and they're not treated very well. And it turns out that 40 acres 
is supposed to be this sort of utopia where they're kind of reckoning with slavery and turning it upside down so that the black people are master and all of the white people who are there are slaves and they are treated just as badly as African-American slaves were treated back in the day. So this dinner was kind of a rehearsal to see, you know, do they think he'll be okay with this? And somehow he must have given off the impression that that would be okay with him. He's not sure, he doesn't know what to do. He can't get in touch with anyone outside of 40 Acres because they took his phone. Um, he doesn't think they're going to let him leave because he knows their secret. And these are all very rich, very powerful people. So he has to figure out, does he pretend to go along with it so that he's not killed? Does he say, wait a minute, this is fucking crazy. You guys can't do this. This is, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. And we can't, there's no way you cannot do this. This is not legal. This is not moral that's the cliffhanger. How is he going to get out of this? Or is he? And it is one of the creepiest books I have ever read. It's very uncomfortable. Pretty early on, there's a, a really good sense of foreboding. Like, you know, something's not right, but you don't quite know what it is. It just kind of makes you question everything about society and about history and reckoning the past with the present. And do we want to live in peace? Do we want revenge? What does that mean? How do we get there? It's really interesting. Whoa. Sounds like a deep book. Yeah. Could it's you imagine showing up like a thriller? And I was reading some reviews of it today just to see what other people thought. And there's a lot of people who like really liked it. And then there's people who were like, I couldn't finish this. This was awful. I can't believe anyone would write about this. Like a lot of books that bring about types of conversation like that are more literary and mm -hmm. this really a thriller but it's a thriller about something with substance it's not just like a you know an airport read and then you throw it away kind of thing like you'll never remember the plot six months from now mm -hmm. this is it's a thriller but it's there's a lot of substance there it's not just Bigfoot killing hippies in the woods. <laughs> oh, come on! I mean, there's a lot of substance there, too. But... We, gotta, we gotta have some different different spices in the mix. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I thought it was a really interesting book. It's There's quite a bit of violence. There is trigger warning for a lot of violence against people and sexual assault. It's just, it's really uncomfortable. And it's one of those where like in your gut, as you're reading it, you're just like, this doesn't feel right. Something, something real bad's gonna happen. It's like, you know it, but you don't know what it is. And then, yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, and oh. apparently he is working on a sequel and I think it's gonna be called Black Noise. Sounds like the book has also been optioned for a movie and he said, uh, I read in like one of his Facebook posts today that it's, there are some like heavyweight names, like big Hollywood names attached to it. It sounds like it could be. And I guess he is a screenwriter because when I was reading this, I felt like I could almost see the movie in my head. Like it's very, 
it's the kind of story that would translate very well to like a mini series or a movie or something like that. Did you give title and artist on that, Becky? That is 40 Acres by Dwayne Alexander Smith. Could you imagine this work-related holiday in the middle of the woods and then find out that it's that situation and that you are going to be... Yeah. Like, I've taken work trips before, but could you imagine if Uh. you took a work trip and you got to wherever it was and you were isolated from everyone with these people that you barely know (laughs) and then you're in this situation where you have to act act a specific way which is completely out of the realm of normalcy and see this is why I don't like to hang out with people this is why you know because I grew up off of one of the Great Lakes right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and from a very early age I was told by more than one person never go out on the boat for like a quote unquote, you know, quick ride with somebody that you don't know very well because they had, you know, aspects of getting in the middle of the lake and they're like, you do this now or you get out of the boat and it's too far to swim to the shore. So what do you do? It's, it's that one, like that kind of situation. Yeah. It's it's, it, it sounds like that movie Get Out a lot. Yeah. 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 Makes me not want to go on any work trips. That's for damn sure. <laughs> or with anyone that I don't know. You're like, you want to yeah. go camping? In the woods? Uh, I think I'm. No, there's bugs. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, there's a trend here. Bad things happen <laughs> in, in the, the wilderness. Stay in your house in the air conditioning with electricity yeah. and a nothing can of bug spray. Good, nothing good ever happens in the woods. Ever. Nothing. That's where all of the horror movies, everybody is out. I mean, they're on at the summer. No cell service in the middle of nowhere. So did did your novel take place in the wilderness also? Because I mean, Rachel's really didn't, but it was about bugs and bugs are in the wilderness. So we're just going to count that as the wilderness, even though it was a brownstone in Brooklyn. Mine was a concrete jungle. Yes. And that is quite a concrete jungle. Yeah, I've never been, but I can only imagine. No, actually, I'm going to go a totally... I'm, I'm going with, with a traditional choice mm. for... Christmas book. Not Christmas, Megan. <laughs> no, I'm going with something that is complete and total traditional horror. Haunted House? It, it's called The Living Dead by George Romero and Daniel oh. Krauss. Yes. Yes. So for those of you who don't know, George Romero is the guy who made zombies famous. Yeah. That is my favorite, still to this day, one of my favorite horror movies ever. The black and white version is the version I saw. Very mm-hmm. first, I was very young when I saw it. It scared the living shit out of me. I love that movie. So when I saw that there was a book out, I just knew I had to read it. It's a big book. I mean, like massively big. And I do have a few critiques of it, but they're mostly in the, it could have been shorter category. The The beginning of it was just a little slower than I would have liked, but hang in there because it's all worth it. It does something so completely unique with zombies that I could not have predicted it. 
it, it's so unusual, such a great approach to take to the living dead. It follows a predictable direction in the beginning. You know, you have your disease, people get it, then they bite each other, you know, on and on. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to just be more of the same. Well, it was not. It did some really unique things with society afterwards. And I think that's the reason that this this book is worth reading. Not only that, Daniel Krauss, God, I love his writing style so much. And he basically, his fingerprints are all over this thing. George Romero, I'm sure, you know, the story idea. And I'm sure he had some input on this because he'd been working on it for years. But Daniel Krauss was the one who made this a great book. I, I, and I don't know that for absolute certain because I haven't seen it firsthand, but just based on the way it was written, it's very, it's a very good book. I, if you are a huge zombie fan, then I would recommend that you read this book. Now, there's really no need to go into the plot of a zombie book because we all know what it is. We all understand that people are coming alive after a virus or whatever. And, you know, if you bite somebody, they're going to get the virus. So you got to make sure to kill them properly. Make sure the you know, to destroy the brain. Got to double tap. Double tap. Double tap that shit. But like I said, and I really don't want to go into how it's different. And the reason why is because I enjoyed discovering that. It didn't happen until you're really quite into the book before it starts to happen. Like I said, that was a bit of my mm, critique, I guess, of the book. It felt more like a super fucking long movie in the beginning. Where you kind of know what's going to happen and you're waiting for it to happen. And then it doesn't work out that way. I mean, you, you end up going to a different place, which is what makes this worth reading. Short but sweet, that's going to be my review this time because if you're a zombie fan and you love that movie and you love the genre of zombies, then you definitely should read it. I actually read a different one, another zombie book that I was considering, but then I thought, you know what? People have to read this one because it's unique. And it's classic. Does it take place in the present day? It does. Okay. Was it really gory? It was pretty gory. Yeah. As zombie books go, it was it had a lot of the good stuff in there, um, but the characters were good, and almost all the zombie books are similar or the same. But you can kind of tell that he had this idea and that he wanted to see what the world would look like after, and and that's what made it great. If you love zombies, read this for yourself. It's super long though, so be ready for the commitment. I don't know how many pages this thing had, but it felt like it was fucking forever in the beginning. So that's why I didn't give it five stars, because the beginning was way too slow for me. Drug a little bit? Yeah, kind of, because you know what's going to happen. Or, you were just you ready for the action. Know. Yeah, you think you know what's going to happen. And it's always hard to read books like that, because she, you're like, yeah, 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 another zombie book, blah, blah, blah. She was impatient for the brain eating. Oh, I just looked it up. It's 656 pages. Yeah, it was, it was substantial. It definitely could have been shorter, in my opinion. But um, that was called The Living Dead. And it says right on there, new novel. 
which was interesting because I have read some other similar type books that are just a rehash of the old stuff, but this is definitely not that. By George A. Romero and Daniel Krauss. And I gave it four stars. Would have been five if it had been shorter. Interesting. Yeah. So a, tr- a traditional horror read for those of us who love October for all the right reasons. Zombies and vampires and werewolves. <sighs> the good stuff. If you buy it on Audible, you also get Knights of the Living Dead included with it. I got mine from the library, but the the audio version is good, though. But zombie fans, this is a must for you. I read another zombie book, which the zombie was like a detective. Really? Yeah. I was wrong about that. Knights of the Living Dead is an anthology. Bring me flesh, I'll bring hell is what that one was called. It wasn't fantastic, but it was really unique when it comes to zombies. The guy was most afraid of flies. That would be a problem yeah. if you were the living dead. Yeah. Maybe that's, maybe Mike Pence is really a zombie and that's I think why he that con- fly like landed Mike, on his head Mike and Pence stayed. Is like, Mike Pence is like a combination of a mannequin and a zombie. He's a zombie that's had work done, kind of like... Um, He's a what's, mannequin. What's that one movie? I thought he was like a clear gummy bear. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> He's of, the mystery yeah. flavor. No, he's not fat enough for that. What was that one movie that the two girls were rivals and they grow up and they kill each other? Oh, God, I love that movie so much. But uh, um, Bruce Willis is, is... Death Becomes Her. Death Becomes Her. God, I love that movie so Mike much. Mike Pence is like the Death Becomes Her politician where he's really the undead, but they make his makeup make him look like he's a mannequin. Yeah, all the morticians are doing the makeup. And the mortician does the makeup in this book, too. That's why his hair never moves. That's the most scary thing about 2020. It's not zombies or Sasquatches. Politicians. Yeah, politicians. They're the scariest fuckers of all. So we still need to go Halloween shopping so I can can make my cubicle at work look like murder. (laughs) I need to do that. Before you leave today, we're going in the attic. Or actually, I'll go in the attic. I just need somebody to, to hang out by the hole to make sure I don't fall. Oh, well, I can do that. I don't know it if I catch the shit you, out of me going up in the I... fucking attic, man. <laughs> what other people consider Halloween decorations, I consider year-round decorations. <laughs> well, I like want to like like put like fake blood and yeah, like she's bloody she's got all kinds of great ideas for what she's going to back there. Do to her. I want it to be scary. <sighs> well, I'm big on the like the window clings and the stickers and different stuff and the mugs. Uh-huh. So every year, at least once during the season, but usually more, we go to Spirit Halloween, which every town has a spirit, right? If you or have five or ten, yeah, I was gonna say if there's an abandoned building in your neighborhood, <laughs> former Super Kmart <laughs> closed like a decade ago. Yep. Yeah. Heed my warning. So. The Spirit Halloween here in Amarillo, they've been there for, uh, they're in the old Toys R Us building. And so they've been there for the last, I think this is their second or third year there. My sisters and I went a few weeks ago. And if you've ever been into a Spirit Halloween, above each section, they have a huge sign that yeah. tells you kind of what the section is, right? Yeah. So it's costumes or vampire or whatever. And um, 
my sisters and I were towards the front of the store and we spotted some hocus pocus stuff. And that's, that's my jam. That's kind of where I, what I go in for and I hadn't seen it yet. So I, we were piddling around at the front, um, getting ready and we were like, okay, or no, we hadn't found it yet. That's what it was. We were piddling at the front cause I was trying to find stuff and I'd found a few stickers well then we hear this huge crash right and the section that's kind of right behind all of the um lawn decorations when you walk in mm-hmm. it for sections well that huge sign had come undone and it of course it had crashed into all the shelves so it knocked stuff off oh. well, it, it hit some poor guy in the head oh my when God. it wow. and he was bleeding <gasps> right so there's work. Yeah, he has blood like running down his face. A worker's bringing him up to the front to not help. Not even him. the fake blood that they sell. No, it was not fake blood. Are you sure it wasn't just staged? Oh no, he was not pleased. No. The nice thing is the hocus pocus stuff I was looking for was in that section. So amongst amongst all the glass, uh, my sister's like hey, there's the hocus pocus stuff. And I was like, well, it's safe now. I mean, the sign already fell. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the guy, they had taken the guy away. There wasn't blood on the floor that I could see. It's okay. There's no blood on the hocus pocus stuff. We'll be just fine. No blood, no foul. I was very happy there wasn't. Another section got hit a lot harder. So I was able to grab a few more mugs and (laughs) Rachel, you're you're a terrible person. She just keeps shopping. She's like, hey, sorry, your brains are now on the floor, but I need that mug. He was he was alert. He was conscious. He was talking and breathing. I, there's nothing more I can do with that. <laughs> and on that note, that's gonna do it for Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production. <laughs>